Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My name is Mike Siegel, I'm the host of this podcast, and my guest today is no one, and I think I have a pretty good reason why there's no one here, and that is because I've had a few issues since coming off the road, or the sea as it were, over the Christmas holidays. I'm recording this right now on the 24th of January. All the episodes leading up to this were recorded before I left for the holidays. On the 19th, I boarded the Holland America Koenigsdam ship out of San Diego for what was to be a three-week tour, a three-week tour, doing stand-up comedy on a cruise ship. Now, this is going to be my first trip back since the pandemic, so nearly two years later since my last cruise ship gig. And I have some stories to tell. But first, let me get business out of the way. TravelTalesPodcast.com is our website. It's also our Instagram handle at TravelTalesPodcast. We're TravelTalesPod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. If you could follow us and subscribe on all those things, I would appreciate it. Also, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Stitcher or any of those formats, follow us. Give us a like. And if you can, which you can, I ask you to please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show boosts our presence, and that's a great thing to do. If you think you'd be right for the show, or you know somebody who might be right for the show, or maybe you want to ask me some travel-related questions, or even say some nice things, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, where was I? Back in December, I was home in LA, and as most of you know, we had a little thing called the pandemic which shut down and affected uh, nearly all businesses and life as we know it around the world. But for me personally, it really crushed everything I was doing in my life. I love to travel. Took that away. I've performed stand-up comedy professionally for 30 years. Took that away. Do auditions and work in television production. Took that away. So needless to say, it has not been the most primo time over here at Travel Tales Podcast Industries and Mike Siegel in general. But nevertheless, there's been some good things. Knock on wood, which I'm knocking on, I have managed to avoid a major illness. I have not gotten the COVID yet. And I say yet because maybe we'll all get it at some point. But uh, I am masked, vaxxed. I can socially distance with the best of them. But it has not been easy for any of us. I get that. So back around last summer, my cruise agent said I had an offer. Now, my last cruise ship gig was back in January of 2020. In the one time, I had excellent timing. I disembarked the ship January 18th, 2020, back in Curaçao in the Caribbean. I flew to Medellin or Medellin, Colombia, spent a week. It was great. Got home January 25th, and soon thereafter, the world stopped. But now I had an offer on the table. I was going to take this cruise gig. And I was not in the first wave, pardon the pun, of entertainers and cruise ship workers who were dying to get back on the sea. You know, early on in the pandemic in 2020, my agent 
uh, wrote to all the acts and said, when would you be willing to come back? What are your parameters? Are you vaccinated? Do all, all this all this other stuff. And I said, I, I wouldn't even consider it until maybe Christmas of 2021. Well, lo and behold, sometime around this past summer, I got an offer to work three weeks over the holidays, a three-week gig from San Diego to Mexico. It's a seven-day cruise to do it three times. You go from San Diego to Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and then Puerto Vallarta, and then two days back at sea to San Diego. And then you turn around and do it all again two more times. And I was really on the fence about doing this, really on the fence. I went back and forth. I had a lot of questions. What was the testing going to be like? Will I be able to get off the ship? Will I be able to move freely around the ship? Nobody knew. And as we learned throughout this pandemic, whatever rules you make could change. Everything's in pencil now, as I like to say. Nothing's in pen. Everything's in pencil. So in the end, I decided to take the gig. The money was good. And keep in mind, this was pre-Delta variant. I mean, this was around that short window around June, July, that everybody kind of thought, hey, this thing might be over. The worst is behind us. Then the Delta variant hit. I went, oh boy. And now, as I was about to board, this Omicron variant really hit hard. But now I'm committed to do this. I still decided to go for it. So January 19th, I board the ship in San Diego. And I know there's a lot of questions out there, but what's, what is cruising like in the age of COVID? So basically, this episode, I wanted to tell you what the ship experience was like in this age of COVID. And keep in mind, I'm saying this from a perspective of only having gone on Holland America. And as I found out from some co-workers, a fellow comedian that I was working with who had just got off a celebrity ship, their rules on board concerning masks and everything else were a little different than we had. You know, two different companies, two different big corporations setting their own different rules. For example, on Holland America, masks were worn everywhere. If you were outside your cabin and indoors, everyone, crew, passengers were required to wear a mask. Now, if you were outside on the pool deck or whatever, you, could, you were allowed to take it off. But they were even asking people to put their mask on when they were dancing. I mean, unless you were actively eating or drinking, they ran a pretty tight ship, so to speak. Now, the other comedian who I was working with had just gotten off a celebrity ship, uh, celebrity cruise lines, and he told me that masks were kind of optional. And if we learned anything through this pandemic, if you give most people the options of wearing a mask or not wearing one, many, if not most, will choose not to. Now, I can't speak for Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, or any of these other lines, but that's uh, my experience so far. And one year ago this month, I wrote an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal travel section about cruising. And one of the conclusions I had in, in my article was that I felt that the cruise industry was unfairly pointed out as a villain during, especially in the early days of COVID, how they kept ships stranded out at sea and wouldn't let people get off, how people would always call it a petri dish on the, on the ocean, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I came to their defense in that I knew how hard the ships take cleanliness seriously. And if there's the slightest bit of sickness on board, usually it's the uh, norovirus, which is uh, a lot of people call the stomach flu or whatever, which is the most common thing people would get on cruise ships pre-COVID. More on that later. 
But anyway, if there was a little bit of outbreak of norovirus in the past, I saw them just quarantining people, just wiping down and disinfecting the whole ship. Because, hey, they don't want people getting sick. They don't want the bad publicity and all that. It's their business. And I get it. And likewise, when I got on the ship now, the rules were in place and there were a lot of rules. I talked about in my article last year about one of the saving graces on board was the officer's bar where everybody would convene at the end of the night. You can let your hair down, get some cheap drinks and socialize with everybody and talk shop or not talk shop and just have some fun with the rest of the crew, the staff. Well, now the officer's bar was off limits. I was not allowed in other parts of the ship other than the little staff area where my room was. I was not allowed in the officer's bar, the crew mess, uh, the ship store, the laundry facilities I could use, but I didn't. Um, I had guest privileges. I'm not considered crew. I'm considered a guest entertainer, which means I have guest privileges, which means I don't have to run drills. Uh, I don't have to wear a name tag on board. I'm just, I, you see me walk around the ship. I could wear anything I want, pretty much. I could eat in the formal dining room. I could eat in the specialty restaurants. It doesn't matter. So whereas a lot of the crew weren't even allowed to get off uh, at the ports and leave the ship, I could until I couldn't. And there were a couple days I couldn't get off the ship. And I'll tell you about that now. So to get on the ship the first day, I had to show my vaccination card, a negative test taken within... I think 72 hours or 48 hours of boarding. They gave me a, a test anyway. And this wasn't the old easy mouth swab. No, this was the giant stick way up your nose brain tickler. So I had that to get on board. I had to test again three days later. And then yet again, a few days after that. And then test again on the second week to get uh, at the start of every Sunday. Each time I had to test. Luckily, negative every time. But when you're testing like that and testing so often, and I think the crew had to get tested, oh, just about every week, maybe. When you test that heavy, especially when there's this Omicron variant going around, you're going to get some positive tests. And it wasn't long before a lot of people on board started uh, dropping like flies in terms of the crew. The first week, our last stop was in Puerto Vallarta on the Thursday. And I guess part of the regulations are that Ships have to tell the port how many positive cases there are on board. Well, we had like a little over a dozen or so crew members test positive, and the port of Puerto Vallarta wouldn't let us off. The ship argued back and forth to let the passengers off. It was none of the passengers who tested positive. It was the crew who were isolating and weren't getting off anyway. Nevertheless, Puerto Vallarta played hardball and wouldn't let us disembark. So he had to turn around and leave, much to the dismay of many of the passengers and crew, and people like myself who love to get off the ship. And quite honestly, it took a lot of balls for any port in Mexico to turn people away when throughout the entire pandemic, Mexico has been basically open for business and let never anybody in. Americans have been going there through this entire last two years. They are not turning away too many people. While we were sitting in port, plane after plane after plane were coming in through the Mazatlan airport from God knows where. Where is that? You, Wuhan, China? Yeah, come on in. They don't care. But for us, stopped us. And it seemed kind of ridiculous. And it turns out the Mexican government, when they got wind of it, felt it was ridiculous as well. Because it hit the news a few days later that the Mexican government said they would not be stopping those ships like had just happened. So I guess we got them to change the policy. 
The ship was not at full capacity, maybe about half capacity. And it's noticeable for many of us who have been on many cruises, not just the crew, but also the passengers who are like the equivalent of frequent flyers, long-time cruisers. Many of them, the older folks, liked the fact that it was half-filled. No big lines at the food places, no, you know, not crowded in the dining room, never a wait for things. But you couldn't help but feel with so few people on board how much money the cruise line was leaving on the table. I mean, they were losing money on this. Nevertheless, we got through it. The second week started, I test again, negative. But then a funny thing happens. After spending the day in San Diego, our turnaround day, and then boarding for the second week, I was feeling a little run down. The next day, Monday, it hits me. Oh man, I'm sick. Monday and Tuesday, bad stomach problems. I'm not going to get too graphic here. I was not throwing up, but I was, it was exiting forcefully. <laughs> Let's just say. So much so that on Tuesday, it was supposed to be my first night uh, performing for the week. I was too sick to go. And I've never canceled a show for illness in almost 30 years of doing this. Now, I've gone on stage when I haven't felt so great and kind of powered through it. And your adrenaline usually gets you through. But this time, I had to tell them I can't make it. There is a great risk of me soiling myself in front of others on stage. (laughs) So uh, unless you want that, I should probably sit this one out. Now, if you tell anybody on ship, and you're supposed to report to the medical center whenever you're on any kind of cruise ship, this is crew and passengers alike, any kind of illness, because they want to nip any kind of uh, airborne illness, usually norovirus, but in this case, noro and coronavirus in the bud. So I had to report it. And immediately their worry is COVID. They come up, somebody comes up in a hazmat suit, gives me another test. Turns out I'm negative again. I just have bad stomach bug, good old fashioned, old school norovirus on the ship. So they give me pills and within a day or two, I'm back. But I did miss one of my three shows. But because I had norovirus, I also had to be quarantined in my room which I can tell you sucked because I don't have a balcony. I had a window, which means no fresh air. So I'm basically confined to a small hotel room with a small bathroom and then delivering three meals a day to my room. And that stunk. And to let me out of quarantine a couple days later, had to test for COVID again, negative again, and then I was free And I couldn't wait to get on deck just to walk around and and get in some air. And here's the thing. I was only quarantined for two, three days. If you test positive for COVID on the ship, the policy was you had to quarantine for 10 days, 10, and never leave your room. Although Holland America was nice enough to move people to a room with a balcony if they were going to quarantine for 10 days, which on the last week happened to my fellow comedian. We were on our third week. He tested. We were embarking on the Sunday, about to start our third week on board, doing our mandatory test, and he tests positive, and I never saw him again. They whisked him away up to the fourth floor to the COVID ward, and he had to do 10 days, and I felt for him. And I miraculously tested negative again. I was testing negative so much that it started to surprise me because the only person I was talking to and socializing with on board and the only person I had talked to without a mask as we were eating lunch was the other comedian. And he just tested positive. And that's when I went, oh, that's it. I'm dead. They're going to move me. But no, I managed to dodge that bullet. But on the downside, the one guy I was socializing with is gone. 
So now I'm left talking to nobody. So really, I'm alone. Fine, I deal with it. Only got one more week to go. Oh, and by the way, that second week was about 75-80% full because it was the week between Christmas and New Year's. It's a big week. Lots of families because everybody's off of school. So we were pretty jammed. And with that being the case, I didn't really mind being locked down for a few days to avoid those COVID-infected crowds. And that's just it. It's the passengers who are leaving the ship and coming back on and bringing it all on. The passengers were only required to take a test if they said they showed any symptoms. If they had any symptoms, they would test them. They would give them a COVID test. But unless they came forward and said they were feeling bad, they weren't tested. So while the crew was being tested constantly, isolating themselves, masked 24-7, the people, the passengers, are the filthy ones leaving the ship, coming back on. You could see him walking out on the ports in Mexico and taking their masks off and going to a bar and, you know, and then they come back on the ship. What do you do? Anyway, the third week comes. I'm in the home stretch. Shows have been all right. Was a little rusty at first, but now I've learned the new format. We're in a new place out of the big theater. I'm doing more shows, but shorter sets, which I like. And now the third week comes. It starts on Sunday, January 2nd. So most of the families have all gone back. School's about to start. And now we're down to less than half passenger capacity. So the ship is quiet, mellow, empty, which I don't mind. But again, the cruise line's losing their ass. And it makes you wonder why they bother. Anyway, I started to notice other acts on board, musicians, singers, the house party band, all of a sudden, they're not there. One day, they got to cancel the house band because of the positive COVID tests amongst the band members. The next day, it's the, the rock and roll band on that stage. They're gone. There's a classical band that plays in the afternoons. They're gone. I started to feel like the last man standing and joked about it on stage because my fellow comedian is gone. The only positive of this is my shows were going well. Part of it was I had gotten a lot of the rust off the first two weeks, but also I think the passengers were even more thankful that anyone was still up there on stage healthy enough to perform. I do my two shows during the week. All I got left is the last full day of the cruise at sea, but an odd thing started to happen. I had noticed maybe a couple weeks earlier, a week or two earlier, uh, around the start of the cruise, that I was starting to get in one eye, what they call floaters. You ever notice that? There's like these little kind of like shapes or kind of like uh, things in the corner of your eye that kind of float around and then you move your eyeball and it moves with it. You know, they kind of float in your eyeball. I was getting more of those. And then all of a sudden, I started to notice in the inside corner of my right eye, a little kind of shadow that was kind of creeping. And it wasn't going away. It was almost like there was something in it and I, it, just, it just was kind of blocking my vision when I looked a certain way. And it wasn't going away. And it gradually got worse and worse. The, my vision in my right eye is starting to get like a shadow creeping over it. I, of course, immediately went on the internet, things like WebMD, which, as we all know, will scare the hell out of you. And it'll make you think that I either have nothing or I'm dying. That's how WebMD works. Hey, this could be nothing. It could also mean cancer or whatever. But I started to ask around and I started to look up my symptoms and I started to get the sneaking suspicion that I possibly had a detached retina in my eye. And usually this happens with like head trauma. 
boxers get it all the time. People in car accidents or have some blow to the head. That's how it usually happens. Or with some people, it just happens naturally. But I needed this confirmed, and everything online said the same thing. If it is a detached retina, this requires treatment ASAP. This is an emergency. Well, by the time I, I realized that I needed to see somebody, it's not like there's an ophthalmologist on a cruise ship 24-7. There's a doctor, but they're a general practitioner. A ship does not have the expertise or the equipment to look into my eye and see what's going on and know for sure. But here I was. It was like Wednesday. I wasn't getting off the ship till Sunday. And we had one more stop that Thursday in Puerto Vallarta. And finally, the ship doctor recommended that I go see somebody in Mexico, an ophthalmologist near the port. So I went to a Mexican ophthalmologist who, let's just say, didn't give off an air of professionalism. (laughs) He was wearing like a rugby shirt and jeans, called me in his office, looked in there and said, yeah, there might be a little a vitreous tear or something. And my big concern was, okay, this is Thursday. I don't get back to the States till Sunday morning. That's two days at sea that I got to sit there. Will I be okay to get home? Because quite frankly, having eye surgery in a port in Mexico, that ain't going to happen. But there was a real fear of whether I'm going to get permanent eye damage if I let this thing go. This guy assures me that I should be able to get home. He gives me a prescription for some eye drops and back on the ship I go. I do a show that night, not seeing the people on my right side very clearly, (laughs) but it goes well. All day Friday, my vision is getting a little worse, a little worse. It's still getting worse. That Friday night, I wake up in the middle of the night, something I very rarely do, and realize, oh no, I'm going to throw up. And sure enough, I did. Haven't thrown up in years. And went, oh my God, did I get norovirus again? Or do I have COVID? Or is something wrong with my stomach? Because I have a strong stomach. As I've said many times on this show, I have eaten everything around the world. I've eaten street food in Cambodia. I have eaten all sorts of weird stuff around the world and never had problems with my stomach other than, well, India. But we won't get into that. But you know what I'm saying. Strong stomach. All I have is one more day on this ship, and I couldn't get off healthy. I got an eye I can't see out of, and now I'm sick again. And worse, I had a show that night, Saturday night, the last night of the cruise. Not only did I have a show Saturday night, but Saturday morning, I was scheduled to do a coffee chat with the comedian, which is basically a a question and answer, little interview on stage at nine in the morning with the cruise director, where some of the passengers can come sit and listen to an interview and ask me questions about comedy or whatever. We did it the first week. It was actually kind of fun. But now, having thrown up that night, coffee chat rolls around, and I have to admit, I can't make it. I felt that bad. So now I got to pick up the phone again and tell them I'm sick. I got to report it to the medical center. They come up, give me another COVID test, amazingly negative again, and proceeded to give me the same pills that they gave me the first time before, pills that they gave me the last week, and I got to go wait it out. I quarantine again for another day, miss my last show, and on Sunday morning, January 9th, I get off the ship, pale, half blind in one eye. My girlfriend picks me up. We drive straight back to LA. It's a Sunday. The only thing we can get is an optometrist in a Costco 
to look at me. She immediately see, takes a picture of my eye and says, you got to go see this ophthalmologist. And now I am reintroduced to the great American healthcare system. This ophthalmologist agrees he will see me on a Sunday. He agrees to that over the phone. He's like, yeah, this needs to be taken care of. And then I send him my insurance card. He says, yeah, we don't take that. If the only way my insurance is going to pay for it is if it's an emergency. Well, it is an emergency, but to prove it, I got to go to the emergency room. And now I don't recommend going to any emergency room at any hospital or going to the hospital at all if you can avoid it during the COVID crisis because there is no room, at least not in the hospital we were at. The ER is crowded. They were putting people outside under gas heaters. Long story short, eight hours in an emergency room, never saw an ophthalmologist, although it was recommended to one first thing the next morning. 8 a.m., we're in this office. They tell me they don't take my insurance either. They send me to another place. Oh, we don't have that here. Send me to a third place. The guy sees me immediately and says, yeah, you need surgery. And he lines it up for the next day. So Tuesday the 11th in downtown L.A., I have surgery to repair a detached retina in my right eye. When I asked the doctor how this could have happened, he explained to me that I am part of the 10% of people who have something called lattice uh, degeneration or something in their eyes, which is basically little cracks and holes in my eyes that with time can tear and open up and some of the fluid in your eye leaks out and basically gets in between the retina and your eyeball and kind of peels it away like wallpaper, which is what happened to me. So this surgery involves lasers, sealing these holes and cracks, and injecting a gas bubble, a CO2 gas bubble, into my eyeball, basically to hold it in place. This is a scary thing to me. Anything that involves the eyeball or your eyesight, I was scared. I am scared. And they don't put you fully under. Sure, I felt nothing during the operation, which took about 45 minutes to an hour. But I was awake. I could hear them. There was a hood over my face with my eye exposed. And I could hear them talking. I could hear the laser going. Are you cringing right now? You should. So after it's done, they tell me for the next two weeks, I have to lay face down, 45 minutes of every hour, laying face down with my head looking down or my head pointed down toward the ground as a way, I guess, with the gas bubble to keep it in place or something. And that was hard, man. That was really hard. And I could only sleep on my left side. I mean, I usually sleep on my side, but I sleep on both sides. To be confined to just one side was also really hard. I did not sleep well, and I have not slept well for two weeks. Now, I'm recording this on a Monday night. The past Friday, I had my follow-up checkup, and they told me everything was looking good. And starting tomorrow, I can sleep on my right side as well. I'm so excited. But the best news he gave me is that I don't have to keep my head down anymore and stare at the ground. I can actually walk around and function. This was some positive news. Now here's the negative news. I can't see much out of it. It's like looking underwater. I can kind of see light and shapes, but the eye is for the most part useless. I can't do any strenuous activities, they told me. Nothing where my head bobbles around. And because of the gas bubble, here's the kicker, travel lovers. I cannot fly or go to any altitudes above 2,500 feet for two months. So in California, where there's actual mountains, sometimes I can't even drive. Like if I wanted to drive to Vegas, which I don't want to, but 
the road to Vegas goes over a, a mountain range where you hit about 4,000 feet at the top of the summit. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, no skiing for me up until at least till March and no flying. I have been grounded again. I've never experienced anything like this before. Uh, I guess I've been really lucky in terms of my health and I appreciate it more than ever. I'm not young anymore. The doctor did have to tell me that there's a chance that this may reoccur. Some people have gotten multiple surgeries for this kind of thing. And some people's eyesight have never come back, at least not fully. And that's my big fear. And that's what worries me. It's still early in this. It's still too early to know what my eyesight's going to be like after this. But it's scary. I take it a day at a time and I try to be positive. I have been known to be negative and kind of look on the dark side of things sometimes. But I'm trying to be upbeat. And I know that many people have it much worse. But it's weird. I'll tell you, I walk a little bit. I still get dizzy. I try to work or read, uh, look at the computer or read anything. And and I get a headache after a while. I will say my stomach is fine now. (laughs) Still have not gotten uh, COVID. Knock on wood again. While many of my friends have, have tested positive and gotten sick. It's bad, man. And people have asked me, are you done with cruises? You know, one thing I did do was go to my agency website and black out my calendar until the summer, July, August, because who knows? Who knows how many different variants will be around? And who knows how many of these cruise lines will still be around because some have already started to drop. Uh, Crystal Cruises, high-end luxury brand cruise that I worked early on in my cruise career to mixed reviews. (laughs) Um, But they are high-end, beautiful ships. Filed for bankruptcy. There's a Chinese company owned them, or Hong Kong-based. And as of this recording, they had just uh, made the news by uh, grounding their ships and saying they're going out of business. While we were out at sea, a Norwegian ship uh, turned around and let all their passengers off because of so many COVID cases. It wasn't just our ship that had been turned away at some ports as well. I don't know what's going to give on the cruise industry. While I was out there, the CDC lowered the quarantine times from 10 to 5 days. But who knows where all this is going to lead? I mean, who knows where any of this is going to go, especially you can't predict what the situation and the rules are going to be a month from now, much less later in this year or three years from now. All these cruise ships can do is hang on and try to stay afloat, literally, <laughs> try, to, try to stay in business. And the weird thing was, I wasn't so much concerned about getting sick. Now, do I want to get sick? No. But the fact that I was you know, vaccinated and boosted gave me some confidence that if I was going to get it, I would most likely not die from it, which is the point of getting the booster. But I got to tell you, what I was scared of most of all was that quarantine, of being quarantined for like 10 days. And with every test, I had to sweat it out going, is this it? Is this going to be it? That I'm going to be locked away in a room? for The amount of tests, the amount of energy and time it took to deliver meals to all these crew members and, and staff that were quarantined, all the shows that canceled, the lower capacity on the ships, it made you wonder, it was like, this is not sustainable. They're losing money. They're losing employees. They're paying employees to sit in quarantine. 
how can this last? And in their defense, they're being so careful because they have to be. But if you went to every business in any town in this country or in this world and tested every employee at hotels, at the airport, in bars and restaurants, wherever, if you tested the, all the employees at those businesses as much as they test the employees on a ship, you would have so many positive cases. If they tested the passengers as often as they tested the crew, it would all be shut down. So many people are walking around with it. So cruises, uh, airplanes, hotels, it's all going to shift month to month. So for those of us who love travel, I'm going to say it again. Make all your plans in pencil. Be very prepared for things to cancel. Events, concerts, conventions, conferences, flights, cruises, and be prepared for anything. So in terms of my performing, I picked July and August for a couple of reasons. One, it's the most crowded travel months that I don't usually like to travel because everybody and their mother and all the families are out and the prices are really high everywhere. So if I'm out, I would like to be paid for it. So usually if I'm doing a cruise in the summer, it was most often Alaska, which I like doing Alaska uh, more than doing the Caribbean or someplace like that. Ideally, I'd like to do... uh, uh, Europe somewhere, but I haven't gotten one of those cruises in years. Oddly enough, the only European cruise I did was on Crystal, which now no longer is in business as of this recording. Anyway, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. My first priority now is my eye and getting back on my feet. I haven't driven. That's going to take a little while, especially at night. As someone who's uh, fiercely independent, I've had to rely on the kindness of others, which has been hard for me, but I've learned to accept other people's help, which is, uh, I guess, part of life. (laughs) That, um, thank God, there's people there for me. Because going through it alone would have been extra hard. There's been a lot of celebrity deaths also this month. I mean, a lot of them was made from Betty White and Sidney Poitier and Bob Saget, a guy I knew and had met before. Comedian Louis Anderson, who I also met and worked with. Who else went down? Meatloaf. So it was a bad month for celebrities, but also me personally, in the same weekend, I had an uncle have a heart attack and die a couple days later, very unexpectedly. The same weekend, my cousin in Miami was in a bad motorcycle accident. He's on his way to recovery, but he's going to be in the hospital for months. I just found out today that the 23-year-old son of a childhood friend of mine had gone to the hospital for some seizures that they couldn't figure out, and he just passed away today. It got so I was afraid to answer the phone after a while. So if you're wondering why I'm without a guest right now this week, doing interviews was not the first thing on my mind as I got off the ship. 2022 has not gone off to a great start for me. We're coming up on two years of a pandemic that has limited my traveling considerably, that has altered all our lives, and now I've been grounded a couple months more in the hopes that I'll be able to see like I used to and feel like myself. Just going to take a little more patience, that's all. And if I could leave you with a piece of advice, it's that if you're of a certain age, get your eyes checked regularly. I can tell you that I will be more and more these days. Keep traveling where you can, everybody. Wash your hands. Be patient and courteous with people. If the rules say wear your mask, wear your mask. Be considerate, be cool, and keep traveling. I'll be back with more guests very soon. But I just wanted to give you this little update. We will be back. I will be back. Ooh, I said I. Anyway, let's hope for brighter things in 2022.
Travel safe and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.